Good afternoon, everybody. We are back once again as I gently lay the phone down this time so not to break your ears. And uh, it is a beautiful Sunday afternoon here down in uh, the coronavirus-free part of the country. <laughs> this little quarter acre that we're living on here. We're all going to die! We're all going to die! And if you're listening to this, you're not dead. Congratulations. Uh, today we're talking about diesel stuff. Because uh, you were telling me something I'd never heard about diesel particulate filters. I mean, a lot of people out there that would be a lot more interested if they knew how those things worked. Well, my experience is with semis. Okay. Because that's where I work for a dealership. Now, is it... Okay, so, so the difference between a semi-DPF... And a, and well, a DPF the, on your... That's what I was going to say, is I don't know how much that carries over, mm -hmm. because I have to assume it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, no, they're, they're, they're pretty fucked. So a diesel, <laughs> so the deep, and the DPF system on the big rigs is obviously like DOT governed, I mean, it's very regulated and has to be oh, yeah, it's, maintained. Uh, it's a felony. Yeah. To alter those and delete them. And, yeah, and sure. I mean, people do them like crazy, and it's shockingly easy. Yeah. Like, they just drill a bunch of holes in it. <laughs> they, they, they drill a bunch of holes in it because then it never senses... No piece of EPA technology it, that it, a drill it, can't cure. You can't, and, and you can't tell, unless you take the whole assembly apart, yeah. which no DOT guy is going to do unless yeah. he really suspects something, which I can't imagine he would. So it looks perfectly stocked. But yeah, they, they drill a bunch of holes in there, and the, the computer never senses a pressure difference. That's weird. So it doesn't it doesn't do like a regen cycle. It doesn't do anything. What's a regen cycle? Uh, it, it, it just blasts a bunch of the, the diesel exhaust fluid in there, mm -hmm. cranks the temperature up to like 1,000 degrees. Oh, I got like it. Like a legit, it just turns into a blast furnace. Self-cleaning oven kind of thing? Basically. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, like a super catalytic converter. Nice. Um, so with all those holes, you're not getting the flow restriction, so you're getting your performance back, and it never clogs. Yeah. So it never needs to clean itself. So it just it's it's there, but it's not there. Yeah. So, yeah, I was shocked at how simple it is. To and do. you were telling me the inside of a DPF is is it looks like a kind of like a catalytic converter, but smaller, smaller, smaller holes. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had this one, and it, it overheated during the cycle, and it just, it, it screamed up like 1,500 degrees in a, ma li a literal matter of seconds. Really? Went from 1,000 degrees to 1,500, and they break at about 1,200. Yeah. You know, that's their ceiling. So, like, if you, like, a, on an old catalytic converter, like, if you, you know, if you, after a while, they would fail, and they would just collapse inside. You yeah. Know, is that the same thing on a DPS? Well, this one, was, this one was new. Yeah. It was only a couple months old, um, and... Once a couple hours later, when it cooled off and we, we took it out, um, it looked normal. It mm -hmm. looked, I mean, there were signs that it was broken. Yeah. Um, because basically, what happened, it broke somewhere inside. So the holes were clogged. So the air was going in through the center of the, I mean, the thing is a 10, 11 inch diameter mm -hmm. circle. It would go through the center, hit that obstruction, and then flow back. So the center, if you looked at the face of it, of the filter, the center was clear. Yeah. And there was like a one inch ring around the side of all the soot that was blowing back the wrong way. And it would still flow through, but there was enough restriction to send some of it back. Yeah. So that's, that was the, the tip that there was something wrong with it. 
but yeah, we did a couple tests on it and it failed horribly. Really? <laughs> now, on the, like for the, because you know, on a, <clears throat> on a big rig, I guess you do have to test the DPF as, as part of like a yearly inspection, or is that a? No, it's if you think something's wrong. With just it. if you think something. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And I actually, I don't know. Maybe there is a a yearly inspection. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm new to. Uh, I used to drive them. I'm new to working on them. Yeah. So maybe there is a yearly. I've I've done plenty of inspections on trucks and never once, you know. I think if it's working and you're not getting any codes, yeah, send it. So <laughs> Zen and the art of the big rig. Like, what's the what's the what's the best part about working on the big diesels? You know, like what's the part that you just like? You know what? I was made to do this. This is fun. Um. I mean, I for me, I think it's just cool that everything's just big. Just big, yeah. Just big. I mean, the torque wrench, it, it's four, <laughs> it's literally four, four and a half feet long. You know, the lug nuts you crank to four hundred and seventy-five foot-pound torque. Yeah. You know, I mean, everything's just big. Everything's a workout. It's just cool. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I've been around them since I was a kid. You yeah. Know? My dad's a truck driver. My grandfather's a retired truck driver. So, kind of trucking is what we do. Mm -hmm. Um. So it's it's normal. It feels it, it's new. Be, <laughs> it's fun being the guy in the shop that just completely ignores the trucker when he comes in. Because <laughs> I'm always, you know, you go into the shop and you're like, truck's broke. You need someone to work on. It. And, and you see every head. They're they're all talking. As soon as they see someone who's not a mechanic, all heads go down. And it's the most <laughs> important thing they've ever seen in their life that they're focusing on. If you make eye contact with the guy, you know you're going to get stuck working on this truck. Uh -huh. It's fun just being on the different side of it. You got a brand loyalty? Is like, are you? Is there like a? Is there like a? Is there a brand loyalty? Oh yeah, truck uh, trucks are just like cars. Get married to Peter. Bill yeah, you got your Ford, your Chevys, you got your your Pete's and your Max. And yeah. Your, me, I'm a Kenworth KW guy. Yeah. The interesting thing about trucks is trucks are like how cars were. In like the 20s and 30s. How do you mean? Because you back then it was you had someone made the body and mm -hmm. then someone made the engine mm -hmm. and you could get any combination of things. They were hand tailored to exactly how you wanted it. Yeah. That's how trucks still are. Really? So you can get a Kenworth with a Cummins in it or a Packard, which is Packard owns Peterbilt and Kenworth mm -hmm. and they make their own in house thing. Mm hmm. Basically, just a Cummins with their own badge on it. Oh, I got you. But you can get a Detroit in there. I mean, you can get any motor you want. So, even though I work at a Kenworth dealership, we have all different kinds of all motors. Yeah, yeah, we have Kenworths coming in, but they have all different kinds of motors. So, I'm a, I'm a Kenworth with a cat. Nice. And it was, I've driven a bunch of different kinds of trucks, and that was the best truck. Yeah. Just reliable, ran smooth. Now, is, is the trucking world also kind of like the automotive world in that you know, there used to be more diversity in the in the types of engines that came in cars? You used to see kind of oddball stuff every once in a while. Now, I think things are more homogenized. Like you don't see you don't see like Lysham superchargers anymore. You don't no. see weird. Is it like that in the trucking world where everybody's kind of gone? Because there used to be two-stroke V12s and yeah. You know, now, now with the the. Um... The DPF stuff mm -hmm. that we got to do, yeah. I mean, Cat doesn't even make highway motors anymore because yeah. they're like, we're out. Yeah, this, this is craziness. And th there was talk in the beginning of they were just going to step back, let everyone figure out the science of it, yeah, how to do it. Then they'll come back. But they've it's been ten years now, and they've yet to come back. And, really? and they got it pretty dialed in now. 
So I doubt they'll ever come back to highway motors. So most of those are most of those truck motors straight six or they yeah. V? Yeah. No, they're straight six. Straight sixes. I mean they're fifteen liter. <laughs> it is you walk through the shop and, and they'll have like a motor pulled and the block is the size of a fucking golf. You know, it, it's huge. They had a, a camshaft that was stick. Uh, they just they pulled it and were standing it up on yeah. end. And the, the thing has got to be four and a half feet long. The thing is just, I mean, it's <laughs> three inch diameter. Well, when you only turn with four thousand RPM, I don't know what's the what's the rev ceiling. Oh no, uh, you're you're not even not that even is screaming. You, you're traditional on a big semi. Your your power band is. 11 to 1500 mm -hmm. and just three. just off idle up to well no they idled 700 oh, okay you know but yeah you know 11 12 you get up to 15 if you're pulling a hill and you, you're gonna upshift maybe get it up to 16 mm -hmm. and you really don't need to scream them um, I mean I've been in some like little uh, little flatbed thing with jigger and, and they're geared horribly I don't yeah. know if they're city trucks or what but I jumped on the highway for a, a road test <laughs> <laughs> thing got up to fifth gear I was turning 2100 RPM, and it's only a five gear transmission, <laughs> so I was in top gear, 2100 RPM, things screaming, I was doing 55 miles an hour. <laughs> with the valves bouncing on oh. the hood. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is with that, but it was, it, it needed new gears, it was bad. Yeah. But yeah, no, they, 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 they lug, mm -hmm. that, that's their thing, I mean, I remember when I worked for a company, and we had internationals with cats. Yeah. Great. That that's really where I fell in love with Caterpillar. They were great motors, and it was after Katrina. Hurricane Katrina went through the Gulf, and fuel prices soared mm -hmm. because the it was a big company. And, I mean, we had 220, 230 drivers, and they they were they were religious about half a million miles and out. Yeah. And they got rid of them. And there, there's a lot of life left in a truck of half a million if it's taken care of. But they just they constantly get rid of them, so every year they cycle through the 150 trucks they had. Mm -hmm. they, they would a portion of it, about a fifth of the fleet they get rid of every year. So you every year they're buying, you know, yeah, 30, 40, 50, whatever trucks. Yeah, you know, at 120, 150 thousand dollars a whack. Yeah, so they spent a lot of money. So they actually got a, a, I don't know if he was an engineer. Some dude from Caterpillar, they got him to come in and talk to us on how to get a little bit better mileage out of it. Because even in that meeting, um, one of the, the reps from our company, he said, right now, you guys, and we were Teamsters, yeah. so we were getting paid well. He said, you guys are cheaper than fuel. So we would rather have you drive slower and get better mileage and pay you more because then we're saving more on fuel. Interesting. It, it was a weird time. Interesting. Interesting. I've never heard a company say, yeah, just drive slower. And now is it, is it, I'm not going to say opposite, but now with gas prices the way they are, I don't know, has it affected diesel that much? I don't drive a diesel, so I, I don't pay attention <coughs> to it. Um, I mean, the, the problem with it is, yeah, diesel, it's gone down a little bit, mm -hmm. but it's still expensive. Mm -hmm. And when you put in, you know, up to 300 gallons at a whack, mm -hmm. pennies make a difference. Oh, yeah. You know, and, oh, yeah. and, and that's why so many guys go out of business, uh, independent truckers, because mm -hmm. you are a business. Um, they, don't, they, they don't nitpick about that. They'll just stop when they need fuel, throw it in, 
and you know you spend an extra couple hundred bucks a week on gas really on on fuel well you figure you are doing maybe not a couple hundred bucks a week but if, if say you burn a thousand gallons of fuel a week which yeah. is doable if you're running around the clock at 269 a gallon yeah yeah you know yeah i see that you're putting six seven a thousand gallons uh a week in Mm -hmm. there and you do that over the course of a year and Mm -hmm. and you're not going you know because i mean they have now it's easy because they have apps the truckers and that gives you fuel prices like up-to-date fuel prices for everywhere yeah so if you put in you know 290 because I mean sometimes you stop on the highway you're gonna spend three and a quarter yeah sure where if you pull off the highway go down a couple miles you, you can get it for 270 sure so if yeah. you're spending 50 cents more a gallon and you're, you're putting in like I said big number gallons yeah over the course of a year that'll put you out of business oh sure you yeah. know it, it's it's small profits yeah. you still make a lot of money easily in trucking and it's gotten tighter and tighter and tighter you can still do it but you got to find that right, right job, you know. I'm talking well, owner operator. Like, I, I never did owner operator stuff. I was always a company guy. I always did local stuff. So I was always hourly. I love traffic jams. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I used to have friends, and they would say, "I don't know how you sit in traffic all day." I was like, "I sit in traffic all day because they, they pay, pay me, for it. <laughs> they pay me well to do it. You are the morons that are." paying your own money in your own vehicle to sit in that same traffic I am. <laughs> Never thought about that. That's funny. Well, I do have a job for you if you're interested. No, I'm not a truck driver. Let's make a trucker rich, though. This should be good. Well, I got a, I got a buddy down in Atlanta. It's always a buddy. Having a big party this weekend. I mean, big Venus. <laughs> we need some Coors beer. I'll, I'll drive the, the only place. Car. The only place I know where to get enough Coors is in Texarkana, Texas. I'll drive the blocker car. Well, uh, they're all automatics. You can do it. <laughs> trucks are all automatic today. Any any monkey can drive a truck. I was to say, I need I need a W nine hundred painted up with a big wagon seat on the side, man. And I don't know how we can do this without a black Trans Am either. I saw several years ago. There's some someone out there. They built replicas. Really? Of the of the truck. What one? Right? Yes. Oh, that's a combo. That is awesome. I didn't know that. That is very cool. Because and I remember like the thing about trucks is I always my one of my favorite trucks uh, from when I was a little kid. I don't know why I was a Superliner, Max Superliners. I, I just loved them. I don't know why, but just that big grill and they they look cool. I mean, but, if we're if we're talking from our childhood, it's Optimus Prime. Well, <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, and some people flat face Kenworths and Pete three seventy nines. But the thing about I the thing about trucks that that really like like got my attention was when they started going aerodynamic. Cause like, you know, when I was a kid, trucks were just, you know, big Blocks. flat grill, chrome, yeah. Because it was cheap. They didn't, exactly, they yeah. didn't care about the fuel. Yeah. The fuel was, uh, wasn't was a concern, yeah. you know? And now everything, you know, like, and I remember the first was, that, I can't remember if it was Freightliner or Kenworth that came up with those really sculpted lines. Everything was, the, the, the grill shells were curved, you know. Yeah, the, uh, those, were, those were cool. I think it was the Kenworth T2000 mm-hmm. and Peterbilt around the same time because they're owned by the same company mm-hmm. now. They, they, yeah, they, they, but everyone's been doing that for a while now. Yeah. I see the, the coolest truck, um, and I found out about it through uh, that movie, uh, the Hugh Jackman movie. Was it uh, Real Steel? Uh, Shrugging shoulders, don't know. It's like a near future kind of thing, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's robots that fight. It's like fighting robots, 
but they're controlled by people. It, it's a, it's a fun little movie. Um, and he he used to be some big shot, and I was washed up, yeah. you know, robot fighter guy. And the truck that he drives around in, that he made into like his mobile uh, work truck kind mm-hmm. of thing, uh, it's a, I think it's from the 50s. 50s made all the cool shit. It's an international sightliner. I think I still have a picture of it. Interesting. It, it, it's a it's a cab over, so it's the flat nose. Sure. And you got your, your windshield here in front of you, but there's two smaller windshields right on the floorboards in the front. So you can look down and see, like... Who you're running over. It, that's, exactly. That's sometimes helpful. It is the coolest freaking thing. It is very cool. Yeah, I have not seen one of those. Um, but I'm a big fan, even without knowing what one looks like. That. That is cool. <laughs> if you don't know what a sightliner is, uh, you have the same Google that we do. International Sightliner. Go look yep. at it. Fall in love. Uh, that actually brings me into... A, that's a perfect segue into my next point. Uh, because you have uh, fallen in love with an FC Jeep uh, recently. No, a long time ago. Well, one specifically. <laughs> the it's FCG. Not, I mean, the reason that I'm, I'm see the thing is because that looks like a big. He's FCG. been going on for like a month and a half now. I want to get a cool old vehicle, a weird thing that no one's gonna know what it 50, is. Yeah, I'm going for fifties. You know, the yeah. older the better, and roadable. He, he's been talking about it, but he's yet to pull the trigger on it. I have yet to pull the trigger. Very gun shy on this. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's the one from the movie. Ooh. So they just made it into a big box truck. That is a nice looking but truck. But it's though. cool. But anyway. So. I and your, your position is that the FCG is the perfect. I should have an FCG. Well, I, I will admit I am. Everyone should have an FCG. I, I am biased. <laughs> I like Jeep. I like old, old Jeeps, the yeah. weird Jeeps. Uh, I mean, I like Jeeps in general. Um. But this one, it's it, it, it's a cab over pickup truck. If you don't know, an FC is forward control. You're sitting on top of the engine. It, it sits right here in between you. It, it, it's a big doghouse right there, yeah. and uh, they're just cool. And no one knows unless you unless you're a Jeep guy mm-hmm. or you're just a purveyor of weird oddball vehicles. <laughs> no one knows what they are. Yeah, you know, even the Jeep badge on there, they still don't know. And it's just a cool, cool Jeep. Yeah, and they are. If you again, if you don't know, they they really do look like little, um, little delivery trucks. You know, they have. You can get them in. Well, I have seen them. I've seen photos of them with flat, <clears throat> flat wood plank beds. And yeah, people like, rip off the beds, especially when they rot. They a lot of configurations. Yeah, but they were tow trucks. And yeah, that like old Jeep were utilitarian in nature. Yeah, but, but yeah, this one. It, it, wasn't running, which most of them aren't, because yeah. they're, they're from the from the fifties, I believe. I think they go up to the early sixties, maybe, mm-hmm. but they're from the fifties. And my counterpoint was, you know, my my taste in old cars uh, kind of, I guess, would stem from. I, you know, I'm a road trip guy. I, I I'm one of those guys that just you know, I love you know big old American cars, big station wagons and stuff. Throw your stuff in the back and let's just drive, just, just drive kind of yeah. thing. And so, you know, for, for me, I'm looking at, I'm, I, you know, big, substantial cars, highway cars, that kind of thing. So you, but you're, and you said, well, you should have a Jeepster. Uh, yeah. Which uh, you showed me a picture of, and I actually like. Except for that the, they're a little bit slabby, you know, on the sides. I should say they're, they're kind of flat. For me, I kind of like those early, I like the 50s cars because everything was sculpted and yeah. curvy and that kind of thing. And the, the Jeep still had that stamped. Look, but it's a Jeep. It's, it's gonna a Jeep. Bo- exactly. It's going to be boxy. Yeah, but I do like. I mean, the I think the Jeepsters, they're convertibles. That's a huge plus. 
They I believe there's still four-wheel drive. Really? I believe it still has a transfer case. Interesting. Yeah. A um, lot of them are three infantry. I think they were, they're rare, but there are some that are automatics. Yeah. Most of them are three infantry. I like the little white wall tires. And they say that there's enough room in there you can shoehorn like an uh, an LS in there. <laughs> Def definitely a 350. So if you want more power, you can definitely get a 350 in there. Well, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be at all. I mean, I would that more power would not even enter my mind if I had one of those things because that is the for me that's the definition of like the perfect like sort of just cruiser runabout oh, yeah. weekend kind of let's just it's a nice day let's just take it out and cruise around I love that for that and I yeah, could yeah. see Dwight Eisenhower driving around <laughs> with his corncob pipe in one but I really I, you you know that was I really like when when car companies try other things and I and you were explaining to me that it, it was a different move for Jeep because their previous models were, you know, cr there was no chrome, there were no white wall tires, yeah. hubcaps were ridiculous thought, but the, the, the Jeepster had all that, it was much more civilized. Yeah, I recently learned, I haven't verified it, but it makes sense that, you know, the, the Jeep, the CJ, it was the civilian Jeep, uh -huh. so you had the original one from the war, all the soldiers fell in love with it, so they, they made a civilian version for those guys. Yeah. And these... The Jeepster, it was called the VJ. It was supposed to be the veteran Jeep. Mm -hmm. So for all those soldiers who are retiring or older, they want a more grown-up car. So they made this little, almost like a little roadster kind of a thing. It does look, I mean, it looks yeah. like a classic kind of 50s. Yeah. You know, there's, there's chrome, but it's not too much. There's two-tone paint options. You know, you had, it was more civilized. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, were there leather seats? Did they have like... I, Doubt it. Carpeting. It was and, probably just vinyl. Yeah. Vinyl seats and or whatever the hell they used. But they were nice. I mean, they were they looked they were civilized. Yeah, that they, was their looked, grown up their grown up car. Yeah. You know, little. I guess you call it a, not a station wagon, but yeah, it's, it's just a little two door thing. Yeah. You know, four seats and. Because I don't really get into Jeep. I mean, I'm a, I'm not a I don't claim to be a Jeep guy, but there are certain models that I like. Mm. The one I've always held on to. I had a thing for was the Wagoneers, and I know we've yeah. talked about it before, but you know, Granddad had one, I liked it, good yeah. memories, that kind of thing. But the Jeepsters now, you've got me interested because they are different. You know, they're they're and the, you know, there's so many there's so many cars that that I remember reading about or hearing about that you know it was like it, the, the most recent one that I can remember was the Pontiac G8 uh, pickup. That was supposed to be for sale in the U.S. I don't remember that. Holden in Australia was building the the same thing with a Holden badge on it. It was mm -hmm. essentially a you know the Pontiac G8 with a truck yeah. bed, like they've been. The Aussies love those, yeah. and they were going to try that here. Of course, that was before. Well, that was when Pontiac was still a brand. Yeah. And, you know, when the housing crunch hit, they scrapped the plans for it. But I, you know, that was one of the things that. I, I was just, I, I love it when car companies are like, well, it's, you know, it's a risk. Like we, we don't know yeah. if it's going to work, but we're going to try it anyway. You got to try this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, that, and that, I kind of, cause I kind of feel like that doesn't, that doesn't happen very often. You know, there's, there's so many, so many cars, so many projects and designs just get shelved rather yeah. than produced. And obviously I understand why, but yeah. I mean, the the Viper. I mean, I, you, <laughs> when we were kids, I saw the Viper in the magazines. You're like, there's no way they're going to make that. Yeah. Lo and behold, they made it. What I love about that is, um, you know, when, when that came out, 400 horsepower. Yeah. It what 94, 95. 
It was yeah. right in the mid '90s somewhere. <laughs> Every was it a V10 back then or was it still a V8? I was a 10. That was yeah. a V10. Yeah. They said you will never see a more powerful vehicle. <laughs> I remember that. And then it was like two years later they came out with a 500 horsepower one. <laughs> and now I mean they're making, you know, quote unquote from the factory. They're they're still supercars but thousand horsepower. Yeah, sure. You know, and we're at the point now when someone says, "Oh, it makes a thousand horsepower," everyone's like, "Cool." Yeah. Nice. Like it's not like, I mean, just it a, doesn't melt your brain anymore to hear that. Just a decade ago, a thousand horsepower was an insane number, and and the car was just <laughs> rattling on the road, ready to explode, just sitting there on idle because it, it was, made a thousand horsepower one time. You <laughs> only did it once when you needed to do it once. That's right. We got the photo. It's in a magazine. Put that thing away. But I, re- I mean, I remember, yeah, I mean, you, were, you were talking about horsepower, and I do remember when 300 horsepower was just, oh, no. I mean, that was just enough. You figure like, you're in the what, 80s, even the 90s, yeah. your, your average car that you and I would buy was 200, 180? Maybe. Somewhere yeah. in there, you know, yeah. you bought like a Mustang, you get 180. Well, I remember, when my, my, I remember when my uncle bought a uh, BMW. He had a, well, his company, it was a company car. He got a BMW, as yeah. I said, just, just driving around yeah. the company. And he previously had, had he was a blazer guy at S10 mm-hmm. Blazers, and um, and, 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 I, and it was it was so funny because as a kid, you know, when you're three and four years old and you're riding around with somebody that really likes their car, yeah, you can't help but just to kind of the enthusiasm bleeds yeah. over. So for a while, you know, I was rattling off 2.8 V6 and S10 facts <laughs> like I was a big boss. But anyway, the the funny part about it was that he went from those S10, the you know, just that little classic American small pickup truck yeah. to a, a new BMW that made, it was an early 90s 3 Series. I mean, it probably had 220 something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's probably very accurate. But, you know, he that I remember then that he took me out in that and we just thought, I mean, well, I thought it was hot. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, whoa. You know, it was like a, it was like someone from the twenties that, you know, gets to ride on a train for the first time or someone, yeah. <laughs> someone who, you know, they've never experienced automotive Speed. transportation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's funny cause now, you know, the, the other day there was a, a great article in, um, not, it wasn't Hemmings, but it was one of those other fairly known, maybe auto week or something yeah. about how, you know, that, that, Cars that you know, cars now are limited, regulated. I mean, people people constantly complain about cars. They all look the same, and they're regulated, and they're all made out of plastic, and they you know they don't last, and they're not yeah. built to endure that kind of thing. And then this guy's point was, that's all a bunch of bullshit. I mean, the average cars. car lasts way longer than yeah. it used to. You can get a thousand horsepower out of a catalog. Yeah. You know, rejoice and and be happy. It's one of those grasses always greener. Sure. You know. Oh yeah. My dad, I, I love my dad because <laughs> he's like, you know, like he's a truck driver. Yeah. And you know, everyone always says, "Oh, back back in the good old days," and this. Oh yeah. And he's like, "Fuck that. <laughs> good old days, my ass." He's like, "I want power steering, power everything, <laughs> air conditioning, automatic." He's like. But, you know, if it can be made automatic, yeah. <laughs> I want it to be made automatic, right? Well, he's just coming from the perspective of trucking. When, sure. when he started, he started in '81 when I was born. Yeah. And he's like, there were no air seats. Mm-hmm. There was no air cab. You know, like, well, what's an air seat? I don't know what that the, is. The the it sits on it. The seat itself, the driver's seat, now helped. Oh, it's suspended. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, just, oh yeah. It okay, sits on an airbag. Yeah, okay. And, and it's like a shock. Gotcha. So okay. when you hit, it's not. 
slant. It just it. And now they have. I mean, they've been doing it for a long time. The cabs. Mm -hmm. you, if you watch on the highway, it goes over a bump, and the cab itself moves. It's independent. Oh, really? It's not hard mounted to the frame. Hmm. So you have. The, the suspension of the rig, the suspension in the cab, and the suspension in the seat. Mm -hmm. So it's like driving a Cadillac. Well, it's funny because it's I always re, I always figured that it, uh, those trucks would ride really nice because you are you're you're way high off the road. There's a bunch of rubber under. You, there's a lot of stuff to absorb all the. the you got to remember. But I guess it's the opposite. Yeah, you got to remember that the suspension is it's designed. To handle heavy loads yeah. it is hard as a rock. Mm -hmm. You get a full load on there, yeah, it runs great. But if you're bobtailing, if you don't have a trailer, they're better now because you know all the computers and yeah, the sure. suspension. It's better now, but back then, man, it, it was death. But mm -hmm. the the sidewall, the tire, then it's not like a car. They're so stiff and yeah. built to support eighty thousand pounds. Again, especially if you don't have a load. But even with a load. There's not a lot of absorption of, of vibrations and stuff, so you gotcha. feel everything. It's night and day different now. Nowadays, it's like driving a Cadillac. It's just like everything else, it, yeah, it's, sure. Everyone always, oh, I, don't, I don't know how you drive something that big. Really, especially with the automatic transmissions, it's it's like driving a big pickup truck. Yeah. Once you get used to just how big the, the swing is, of it, yeah. the blind spots, where the trailer goes, it's it's really. A train monkey can do it. It really is, and, and that's and that's one of the reasons why I got out of it. Is, is it got too easy? No, the yes, indirectly that's part of the problem. So you're a trucking hipster? No, the problem is it got. I was into it before everything. The problem is when it was difficult. Yeah. Only good drivers made it. Yeah. Now any warm body can get in a seat. So. <laughs> You have all these horrible truck drivers because before it was always us against them. Yeah, it was us against everyone else in the four wheelers. Yeah, who can't drive, and at least you had good truck drivers around you, and they would, they'd help you out, and they'd do this and that. And now they're just as bad as the freaking <laughs> mom on her phone. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I see a trucker hammered down in the hammer lane where they're not legally allowed to be. Yeah, you know, and they, what I mean. And it's not like they just they pop out, pass them, and get over it. No, they are riding. Miles, they are miles. riding that left hand. Yeah, line. so they, they, they're horrible. Yeah. But well, I, we should we should we should pause and, and just say that it's uh, this will most likely be our Mother's Day podcast. So if, uh, I'm going to say hi to mom yeah, real quick. Let's just go ahead and say hi to all the moms out there. My cousin. I'll bring up this. Actually, uh, segues into a great topic because I'll, I'll I'll say hi to my cousin down in Alabama, uh, Emily, who's who is a new mom. And uh, possibly the only person who knows more about trucks than either one of us. Really? Um, her, when I was, uh, I think, um, she's a horse. She was into horses for a yeah. long time. And, you know, if you're going to be into horses, you're going to be into trucks. Yeah. And I remember visiting her when her dad had gotten a new truck. And uh, normally, you know, you, you just, um, you go over to the house and you go inside and hide everyone. And then you go out in the back. And, yeah. Well, this, at this point, I walk over to the house. Ring the doorbell three or four times. Walk through the house. Nobody there. Nope. You know, and I'm like, oh no, what's going on? Because everybody's supposed to be here. Walk around the back. Everybody is standing around, in in, in much the same way that the, the disciples would have stood around <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it was a it was a brand new uh, new body style, um, 3500 Dodge. Uh, yeah. This was in the, the mid 90s when they redesigned and okay. with the big grill yeah, and you know. Yeah. 
and it was a dually and it had you know it was nice and she was rattling off you know this is a 12 valve Cummins and it's got this transfer case and it's got this suspension and it hauls this much tows this much and I was just blown away because I you know even at that age yeah I was like well I know more than car I know more than her about cars because yeah, yeah. I'm a man she's a girl this is the way it is and that was the day that I found out that uh, I could be very wrong about that but anyway I just want to say hi to all the moms out there and um, in addition to uh, we have a, um, we actually do have a, a guy that wants to come on and be a uh, guest on our next podcast, so hopefully we can arrange that. Hmm. And I would also like to uh, get a couple of um, uh, moms that I know that are serious car people. <laughs> um, but I, my, cause, and I, I would almost put, I'd, I'd almost put my own mom in that same camp because she's had some Corvair, yeah. Uh, Monza had uh, the Fiat Spider. Um, mom, mom has a lead foot, and, and, and she she taught me to drive a stick shift. Yeah, uh, and that's why I drive one like a racing driver because yeah. that's all I know how to do. That's all she taught me. But um, I, your mom, weird weird cars, plain cars, anti car, pro car. My my mom, she's she's kind of like rough and tumble. Yeah, like. She she definitely has a, a tomboy spirit. Yeah. She had a sweet when I was growing up. Um, early eighties Land Cruiser. Ooh. Five speed. Very sweet. I believe it was five speed. Four speed. Manual. Whatever yeah. the hell I had. Um, she had that. My first experience in a Jeep was I remember she got it like I said she uh, she worked in the office for a body shop. She wore a t shirt that said Good Moms Say Bad Things. <laughs> no, she didn't do that. But she uh, like I said, she worked at a body shop, uh, and she became friends with the owner. Yeah. And they they got this Jeep Wrangler, you know, it's probably a YJ. Mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was mid '90s, early '90s. I forget when exactly. I was young. I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, let her borrow it for like a weekend or whatever. So it was. I remember it was. My brother was in the front. Me and my my younger sister were in the back seat. No seatbelts, because in the 90s, you know no one wore seatbelts. <laughs> it was the 90s. <coughs> Even she says it, like we were talking about this before. She's like, I can't believe I did that. Because <laughs> we just went to a state park and, and we hit some, they're not incredibly difficult trails. Yeah. But she had never really done, she'd done a little off-roading, like playing around yeah. uh, with the, the Land Cruiser. So we took this smaller, little nibbler thing in there. And I, I remember we hit a bump on this probably, you know, rough dirt road kind yeah. of thing, and they had to grab <laughs> the roll bar, <laughs> and as soon as we settled down, we all went, yeah! <laughs> it was the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> Do it again! Yeah, mom! Yeah, that, that was my first experience in Jeep, little red Jeep. Nice. I love that thing. Nice. Well, to all the moms out there, keep driving fast so we know who you are. Um, but it, the, the, it's so funny you said that, because the experience that I remember was my mom got a, um, and it was, it was, it was a family transfer kind of thing. And it was someone that had this thing and yeah. could, kind of couldn't get rid of it. So they ended up with us. It was a big suburban eighties, mm -hmm. you know, barn doors, barn doors nice. you know, giant thing. And it was lifted tires on it. And I thought, it, I thought it was a monster truck to me. It yeah. had, cause it had, you know, I could see that it had Rancho shocks on it. Monster truck, the end. But she drove that thing like, that was a she was on her own private highway. Oh geez. She kinda actually she kinda drove it like uh like the old video games where you got points to run over the people in front of you. It was just, <laughs> you know, 
Because and, and I think it was that the, the before that she'd had small cars, mm -hmm. you know. So the first time you, you step up into something that big, oh, yeah, big. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she got used to that thing real fast, <laughs> easy. Um, but we were also, you know, it was funny because right before we, were, we we started about this, we were we were talking about some uh, just car maintenance stuff. I always like to do maintenance updates. I just mm -hmm. did a serpentine belt uh, oil change on my car. How's yours doing? Doing well. Um, I guess. You said you're coming up on plugs and you're yeah, coming up on something. I'm coming up on a hundred thousand uh -huh. miles. So, you know, I got a Subaru, and everyone tells me it's it's just a nightmare to do plugs and coils. Luckily, my friend works at a Subaru dealership, and his father is a legit certified, I believe, legit certified master mechanic through Subaru. And he says, "Oh yeah, it's a piece of cake. I guess there's a very specific way to do them because it's you know it's a boxer." So everything's on the side, mm -hmm. and everyone says it's just a nightmare to get to them. There's no room. I, I guess if you remove like two bolts, mm -hmm. pull something out, he's like, it, it's a piece of cake. Yeah. So get that going for me. Well, it always surprises me how many people are willing to, you know, the, the old adage is step over a nickel to get to a penny. They're willing to just <laughs> to see something on a car, and instead of instead of saying. You know, okay, well, well, maybe I can make the job easier by taking off this part, this part, and this part, which would take you 20 minutes. They think, oh man, there's look at that tiny little space. They'll spend 45 killing exactly, themselves. Exactly, yeah. exactly. The hands all cut up. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's where, oh, that, I think that's where that stigma of, that's impossible. I never want to do that again. That's where that comes from. People just not willing to make it easier. Well, it, I think a lot of people, and I mean, we're all guilty of it. We've all done that. Hell, I just did that at work the other day. But it's one of those things of you just making more work for yourself. Why yeah. do I want to make more work? Yeah, sure. You know, more parts to lose, more parts to break. Yeah. I'll just do what I have to do, do the bare minimum to get stuff out of the way. Yeah. You know, so I understand it. I do it. I curse. I scream. Throw yeah. tools. I mean, because I, I, I don't think, like, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of, I love a Chilton's manual. I love a Haynes manual, factory book. I love going by the book kind of thing. I don't think the first step in an oil change is disconnect the battery. And you know, put the car on four jack stands. I think that's a little <laughs> excessive, but yeah, you know, yeah, I get what you're saying. Because I, I, gonna kill yourself. Well, yeah, and, and I was gonna follow up with. I was talking to you about we had to do uh, oil lines on mm -hmm. a on a four three S ten the other day, and it was just a nightmare because there was first of all there was really no way to make this job easier. I, I think even if we had a lift and we were standing under it with GM Master Tech on our shirts. It would still be a pain because of just because of the design. You know, it's just the fact that the oil filter housing is in the back of the motor, the oil cooler is in the front of the motor, up in front of the right behind the bumper, in front of the radiator shroud, and there's two giant pre-assembled you know yeah. lines with crimped aluminum ends on each side, and you have to be very careful when you're pulling the old ones out not to break anything, and you have to be doubly careful putting the new ones in that no crap gets in the new line. Is that one of those you know quote unquote lifetime parts? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no. And what year is this thing? It's an 03. Oh yeah. So it's it's definitely getting to the point where some stuff years, is gonna yeah, yeah, yeah stuff is gonna break that wasn't supposed to. Because I know like now they only plan like 10 years. Yeah. Full life. So being an 03, I'm sure 10 yeah. years was a lot of roll. Yeah, and actually, and you bring that up, and I think that's getting a lot worse because I knew someone that had a Mercedes SUV not too long ago. Not one of the G, not one of the refrigerator box yeah, yeah, things. Yeah. One of the smaller the G wagon, ones, something yeah, like yeah. that. But anyway, the the point was that the the transfer box, the fluid in the transfer box is sealed for life. There's no, 
there's no, and there's no access plug. I mean, you have to split the box open to drink, put new fluid in it. Yeah. And it, seemed, it does seem a little bit insane that there wouldn't be a bung or some kind of report on the side. What what year is it? Oh, gosh, early 2000s. Well, at this point, you wouldn't want to change it. Nope. You know, because they always say, you know, if you have a high mileage vehicle and you've never done anything to the automatic transmission fluid, don't change it. Mm-hmm. Because it's all the gook and crap that is keeping those clutch packs from slipping. Yep. You know, because yep. you, you change it, you, you put new fluid in there, and I've done it. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I think, yeah, we both have. You know, yeah, I, you know, I, was, I was in my teens, early 20s, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you buy your first... Get a little of, overzealous. Yeah, you buy yeah. your first piece of crap card. Oh, I'm going to you know, do all this <laughs> stuff. And I had them uh, um, change it in the garage. They, I was a kid. Yeah. I'd like to think they know what they're doing. <laughs> and they should have said you don't you don't want to do this yeah because it, it was figure it was probably late 90s and it was a it was an 89 chevy cavalier z24 <laughs> oh yeah i love that car i really do <laughs> I, I love that car we, we can edit that part out it, it's a that part out. poor man sports car <laughs> but yeah I, I get the the transmission fluid and brought it they drove it into the shop Changed fluid out, pushed it out. Oof. Okay. <laughs> like it, just, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't go. Talk. It wouldn't yeah. go in, in, it would go into gear, but it, it wouldn't move. Yeah. Change this to Well, I mean, it, it, luckily, there are 4.2 million of those cars made. <laughs> so. Well, you're right about that. Getting a used one was cheap. Yeah, I mean, you're right about that. I, I I'm, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm, I'm a big DIY maintenance guy. Uh, and I really do think that it's getting it's getting work. Part of my this is part of my campaign to make cars easier for people to work on. Like the seal for life stuff has got to stop. Well, it's not just that, but like my um, my Subaru, mm-hmm. all wheel drive, the transfer the uh, transfer the automatic. Man, I am all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> the manual transmission in my car is part of the front differential. Mm-hmm. For the all-wheel drive system, so to do one, it, you're automatically doing the other. But it, it's one of those deals where it's not like you pull a plug, drain it, plug it back up, pump the new fluid in there. Mm-hmm. It, it's you're pulling it out as you're pushing it in. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's almost like um, dialysis. Yeah, you it's know, almost like getting the fluid on the normal power steering system yeah. where you have to actually yeah move so the rods. You're, you're pulling it out as you're pulling. You're hooked up to a machine and yeah. it's pumping it in as it's pulling it out. Transfusion. Yeah, it's like <laughs> dialysis. You know, old people. You know, not old people, but people with uh, was it kidney problems? Yeah. Going dialysis, that kind of thing. They pull your blood out and do all that. See now, now you have me. Now you have me thinking about an old person hooked up to a pump full of ATF. Yeah. Pull the old red stuff out. Put the new red stuff in. There's someone out there. There's Send a, it. <laughs> someone out there. There's a shop where it's like, well, we got these old people hooked up to dialysis machines, and we got these trucks that need to have the. Don't do it. <laughs> it's the same thing. But yeah, it, so that is not a job. Yeah. You can just do at home. You no, need, you, it's not. You need a very expensive piece of equipment. To well, do my it. and my other point was that that you know the <clears throat> the car that I have, I got a cruise, very simple, ba- basic, basic little car, and. You would think that because it's a you know fairly simple basic car, everything would be accessible, easy to work on because it's one of those little shoehorned into everywhere. Little kind of yeah, little kind of cars. Well, I can't get a jack under it. 
It's <laughs> well, it's and it's. I mean, I haven't lowered it. I haven't done anything to that. But you know, I just have an old four jack yeah. that has worked on every car I've ever had. <laughs> All of a sudden, big piece of plastics in the way. Yeah, oh, great. So I think that you know there is, and I and and you know I'm not saying that I'm not saying that that there's. I don't even have anything against that. I mean, I, I don't even mind it that much. I've got ramps. That's fine. But there is this kind of shift towards making everything in a, in a way that, that has to be, that, that is either not serviceable, where it just, you just, if it goes bad, you replace it. You yeah. can't rebuild it or don't want to. Or if, if it goes bad, it's something that is not fixable without a very, very specialized piece of equipment. Yeah. You have to have a laptop. You have to have... Well, it, it's a two... They're making everything sealed. Yeah. So one, because it's probably cheaper for them. But yeah, they, they don't... Oh, sure. I mean, they I get want, it. yeah, it's, it's cheaper, they make it's better. Yeah, they make everything, you know, quote-unquote proprietary. Yeah. Like Ford. Ford's notorious for that. Like, yep. to do anything, you need a very specific tool that does one thing. Yep. You know? Um, people that have, so early, they, people they, that have early 90s SHO Tauruses right now... Are, are 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 adamantly just screaming into their phones that that we're talking mm. about them. Yeah, but it, they want to get that maintenance work. Yeah. So that's more money for Ford to make. Sure. If, yeah, you sure. have, if you have to bring it, because even you go to you gotta Midas keep, you gotta or whatever, keep your dealers in business. Yeah, because you know all these independent garages, they're not going to want to buy a hundred different tools for a hundred different vehicles nope. for all the different makes. Mm -hmm. So we can't do that. Yep. You got to bring it to a dealership. Yep. So that's more money they make. And then it's, they make more money in the sales because now they can say, well, we have this maintenance free car for the life of your vehicle. Yeah. And, and you know, they know most people, they own it four or five years and they get something new. Yeah. And then the next guy has it for like three years. So, that's all they care about is the first two owners. Yeah. You know, seven, seven you're right. Years. I mean, it's the classic yeah. debate and it's, you know, it's the, it's the new versus old stuff. And, yeah. and you know where I fall. Um, the, the thing, the thing that triggered me most recently was, uh, had to do the, um, hubs on the, well, I don't have to do them, but they're coming up on the, on yeah. the Craig and hear them. I can hear the wheel bearings going bad. And I, I think mine is starting to go too. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, for, and for the longest time, a wheel bearing was, you know, a little circular thing with rollers in it. And you yeah. press the old one out and you push the new one in. And, and now they're, you know, they're, by and large, they are made assemblies. You know, they're yeah. not made, to, they're aluminum housing, so you can't really, you can't press the bearings in and out because you just crack the housing. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, again, I'm kind of a, I am kind of a rebuild and replace kind of, a rebuild versus replace kind yeah. of guy. Um, but it's not, it's not a hard job. I mean, it's certainly going to make it easier to do the wheel bearings, mm -hmm. but I'm not used to the way that it's been yeah. done. Um, but I still, I guess, hey, I don't have anything against that car. And the maintenance on the, the serpentine belt that we had to do, when you open the hood, at first seemed like a nightmare because the engine mount is in the way of the serpentine belt. Yeah. You, know, you take the belt off and then you realize, oh, wait a minute, I got to take the engine mount off. But... This comes back to the you know making more work for yourself debate. All you have to do is is support the engine with a floor jack or, or a block of wood or something, mm. and then undo the motor mount and, and nothing ha the car doesn't fall apart. You know, <laughs> they, you <don't, laughs> nothing happens. But it, and, and when you do that, it makes the job a thousand times easier yeah. and, and saves you know hours and hours and hours of frustration. Because I was what I was about to do was the, the classic redneck. Well, we'll just try to get it done. You know, yeah. We'll just shimmy it in we'll there somehow. Do, we'll just do this somehow. 
but it wasn't it just wasn't gonna work yeah the little while ago you mentioned about not being able to get a jack underneath your your car yeah you know i like i said i work on semis for for a living now and it's funny you would think a vehicle that big you'd have nothing but room yeah <laughs> i mean in, in, in the engine bay there, there's plenty of you know you're burning your hands on the it, the same problems you have on, on your little car the same problems I have on a big truck. Really? Now that I would not have expected that at all. Getting underneath them is a pain in the ass sometimes. Really? Very few shops have lifts. Yeah. And and usually it's they're actually pretty cool. They're they're um, like four four well, four or six posts, mm -hmm. and they're independent, and they you know they roll them into position, and they they each have two arms that stick out for the tire. One of the tire. Yeah. They all connect to a central box, hydraulic lines. And then they independently lift. And that's usually if they have to drop a transmission mm -hmm. or something like that. They're used very sparingly. Yeah, yeah, for a maintenance like doing um, a, a, the yearly service on them or the, the PMs or whatnot. You get to change all the fluid filters, the air filters, the the air dryer filter, yeah. all this stuff. And you got to get underneath the vehicle. You're on a creeper and you slide. And before it was a piece of cake when they had steel bumpers and everything was two feet off the ground, you slide them there and you can do it. Once you're under there, the frames are three, four feet apart mm -hmm. and they're, they're up here. I mean, to get to the, the drive shaft coming out of the transmission, you're on your back, your arms are fully extended yeah. you know, to, to check it out and grease it. But now they have all these aero packages. So you have all this plastic bumper with this little wing dam thing. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. four inches off the ground. <laughs> you can't get under there. You gotta go all the way back because you know they runs down the side, covers the fuel tanks that run down the side. Yeah. And then now they even have these APUs, auxiliary power units. Mm -hmm. So they get to a, a stop for the night, you know, because they live in these things around the clock. Yeah. Instead of having to run the the big diesel engine to get their air conditioner, their heater, their power, they have these little like one two cylinder diesel motors that just sip fuel. Yeah. And give them all their power to to run everything. Yeah. So they have those bolted onto the frame, the, the, the def systems bolted onto the frame to get under the freaking thing. I mean, these big ass truck, and it just slides across your chest <laughs> and just squeeze in there. And then you get under there, and because they have all these flimsy plastic, but they have all these little bars that go across, you know, from side to side yeah, to sure. give it a little extra rigidity. So sure. you get under there, and you got no fucking room to go. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the most frustrating thing. It's all fuel efficiency. I'm like, right? I've literally been in caves underground <laughs> that were less claustrophobic than getting under these giant semis. Yeah. I mean, everything is right here, you know, right in front of your face, and, and you're, you're trying to, to look, barely turn your face, and you get something <laughs> 400 degrees right here. It's just... God, yeah, I noticed there's, there's... To get one-tenth of an eighth of a percent of fuel economy. <laughs> like, oh, they don't do anything. <laughs> well, there was a great, there used to be a great um, uh, little uh, service, <clears throat> I guess it was a blog, but it, what'd you call a blog before the internet? You know, it was just a little like newsletter that this guy put Forum? out. I guess, but it was, it was, it was printed. You could, it was, a, you could newsletter. subscribe to it. Yeah. It was a little newsletter thing. It was a, some guy that, that used to be up in DC and he was a foreign car mechanic and he would just kind of write Funny stuff about working on foreign cars, but the only thing that the, the thing that I remember is that he said that they they never will make a ratchet that has fine enough you know ratcheting clicks in it yep. because he said that the worst part about working on 
what he called modern cars back then, were late 80s, early 90s, was the fact that you couldn't swing a ratchet. You could get the, the <laughs> yeah, you could get the socket you, and, and the extension onto the head of the yeah. nut, but then you put the ratchet handle on there and tick, 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 yeah. there was nowhere, to, nothing to do. Yeah. And I get it. I mean, yeah, I've run into that problem. I know exactly what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, we are, and that, is, and that's one of those things that is just infinitely frustrating because yeah. you're like, well, now what do I do? Yeah, because you 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 feel genuinely stuck. Well, it's like you get half a click out of the ratchet, and you get half a click out of the wrench. Yeah. So together, you get one click. <laughs> so you're there for four minutes <laughs> to 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 do two revolutions yeah. to, to really snug that bolt up. Uh, yeah, it's awful. And hands are cramping. For me, it's the the meat of your palm or your thumb. It that for me is what cramps up. I know. It's oh, that just, little valley right between. Yeah, it yeah. just like feels like your your hands gonna explode. Like, yep. Ugh. I was there with you last night, man. I, I was there. Yeah, I was shaking my hands. Oh yeah. God. And it was that you know the the thing that I think really has has brought the the modern the word modern but the recent car guy you know ease is. Places like Harbor Freight, and I'm not, I'm not promoting the use of, you know, like, you know, if you think Harbor Freight's junk tools and you don't want to, that's fine. I mean, it, it, you know, I used to. It is what it is. I used to swear by Harbor Freight. It was yeah. great. I, I got a buddy, who, who, who he works for a, a garage, and that's all he used. Um, and what changed my mind is using professional grade tools. Oh sure. Like I bought Snap-on tools. Yep. Oh my God, the difference. Yeah. Well, I, what I was going to say was that, that, that really, I think that, you know, the, the butterfly ratchet, the little air-powered 90-degree butterfly ratchets, those have saved me more time and more frustration over yeah. the years than anything else. And I buy them at Harbor Freight because I know, and, and, and again, before Harbor Freight, you're right, it was a snap-on thing, and I would have had to save up my hundreds of dollars and yeah. then purchased one. Probably would have lasted the life of whatever I was working on, but... My point now is that that even mm. even if the one I'm using snaps and breaks, and they all do, yeah. I can still usually I can still get the job done, and I don't need it that often. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of guys out there now that you you know you 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 look at a new car and it is full of plastic. There's no room. There's no access. But the tools are better. Yeah. You know. Um, I think that's it's just it's something people don't think about is that just the the quality of the metal and. I still remember what what changed my buddy's idea. Mm -hmm. uh, his he just bought a set of wrenches and a ratchet set. Get rid of his Harbor Freight stuff. Mm -hmm. What changed his his um, outlook on it was uh, a demonstration uh, the the vendor the tool vendor gave him. It was just a rounded piece of pipe. Mm -hmm. He had a Harbor Freight wrench and a Snap On wrench, both the same size, mm -hmm. and you put the Harbor Freight one on there, and it just spins. Mm -hmm. You put the the Snap-on one, it grabs. Like he put his weight into it, and it grabs a rounded pipe, mm -hmm. basically. You hey, know? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you know. And and like I said, there, there's a reason the Snap-on tools oh, yeah. are good stuff. I mean, it's it's great. But like I said, I, I I'm one of those people that I think is you know I'm not afraid of weird cars. I'm not afraid of oddball yeah. stuff. So like for me. You know, I, I now I don't fear buying weird cars and people are like, oh, you'll never, you can't work on this or this is not serviceable or you, there's no way to get to it or something like that. I'm like, well, maybe not with conventional wisdom, yeah. but yeah, I mean, let's see. My biggest thing about getting too weird, like even like that, that FC that I yeah. keep trying to buy, 
it's not the, the physical work that you have to do to it. it it's finding the parts. Yeah, sure. You know, like yeah. the motor doesn't run. They don't make that motor anymore. Yeah. It's not a popular motor. There's no aftermarket for any of that yeah. stuff. It's, you have to find stuff that was made for a different application and make it work in yours. Yeah. You know? And now it's kind of the opposite where the, the you know, the, the cars, the, the tooling is so much better. Mm. You know, the, the cars are maybe not as easy to work on, not nearly as easy to work on, yeah. but the tooling makes it a lot easier. So is, is, it, a, is it a wash? I don't. I mean, I don't know if it's it's you know if it's yeah. six of one, half dozen of the other. But you know, I I still think that if you if you if you're a car person now and you think, well, maybe I don't want to buy that because I don't know how to work on it. Ignore that notion because I think you can learn you can learn things yeah. easier these days. Yeah. Um, well, like we said before, it's acquiring the information has never been easier. Yeah, exactly. So if you have an only vehicle, you know, I mean, if you've never worked on a, turned a wrench in your life. Don't buy something British. Yeah. <laughs> Don't buy something German. Don't buy something German. <laughs> you know, buy a simple, unless it's like a, a Beetle. Yeah. You know, because you can't get simpler than that. And it's popular. There's a ton of support for it. But yeah, I mean, if it's your first time out, be a little cautious about what you buy. But yeah, don't don't let that stop you. Yeah, because I mean, how many projects are in garages just because people think that they can't finish them? Mm. Oh, right. nothing. Really, there's nothing the vast quantifiable. Yeah, not, <laughs> nothing quantifiable that's stopping the car from being finished. But there's a guy inside that's like, well, I just can't. I don't have a lift, or I don't have a jack, or I don't have this or that. That stuff makes it easier. But especially nowadays, you spend fifteen hundred bucks, you can go out and get one of those little portable jacks. Mm -hmm. Slides right under the vehicle, scissorless up, and, and I think it raises like a foot. Or yeah, two. You know, yeah, that's more than enough room to get under a sports car. Sure, sure, and work on it. Yeah, uh, well, we are coming into the uh, final few minutes here. We want to say hi again to all the moms out there, uh, and then we will see you all next time. Thank you very much.